mic mic check one two pick it, pick it. mic check uh yeah i'm looking at my levels we good we are good this is what episode 41 out this joint yeah let me go ahead and get this joint started let's do the drop Welcome, welcome, and welcome to the walk with Jason Podcast. I am your host, Jason Tyree, aka a man called Jason. Jason. And this is episode 41. 41. I hope y'all weren't looking for a podcast last week because it was Memorial Day. So your boy was chilling like a villain. Um, chilling like a villain. That's always been funny to me. Anyway, um, I hope y'all had a. I don't know. I think I ran into this problem last uh, episode where I was like, "Do you celebrate Memorial Day? Do you mourn on Memorial Day? I don't know. I just hope y'all stayed safe. How about that during Memorial Day?" Um, it's June, man. The summer is here. Like June, the month of June is going by so fast that, like, it's going to be June tenth when this podcast release, and I don't know where those ten days have gone. It's crazy. Um. <clears throat> also, last week, another reason why I didn't get a podcast from me. It was because my wife was out of town. She went back to Tulsa. Tulsa to Tulsa. Um, for those who may not have known, we met in Tulsa, went to college or Roberts University, stayed there an additional 10 years after I graduated. So 14 years in Tulsa. Um, but before I say any more about that, I want to welcome the new listeners. I'm going to be really, really honest with you. I've been checking the numbers on the podcast and it's really nothing to cry about. Uh, <laughs> but like I've said numerous times in the past, this is for me. And if anybody else is listening, that's a bonus. And I appreciate everyone who is listening, especially the consistent ones. Shout out to Akeem, uh, Mike, quite a few uh, regulars. You know, they hit me up, say, hey, man, how come you ain't post? What's going on? How come you ain't uh, you ain't do nothing 
on the podcast lately. What's what's good with that? I said Akeem, my bad, Akeel. Akeel, Akeel Coleman up in this piece. Shout out to my guy. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. Should I market this podcast now? Get more listeners? I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, if y'all want to like my... My dude, Akil, man. Let me let me tell you about this dude for a second. Dude is, that's an all right brother with me, man. Like, every time I post and let them know that the new podcast is out, he's posting links. I don't even ask him, man. He just do it on his own. Really supportive, man. I appreciate you. I remember I used to do shout outs um, in the early episodes. Um, My earlier episodes used to be too structured, so... I kind of have a little loose. I still take notes on what I want to talk about, but it's nowhere near as structured as it used to be. And I don't know, maybe I'll do shout outs again. Um, I've really been procrastinating on some things. Um, working on some things. But anyway, back to the new listeners. If you are listening for the first time, Welcome. Um, you can also follow me on all social media, uh, walk with Jason. I made it pretty simple. You can find me anywhere on the other social media platforms under walk with Jason. And for some odd reason, if you can't find me on social media via that username or screen name, then you can go to walk with Jason.com. Okay. Cool beans. Anywho, um, yeah. So Tulsa, my wife went to Tulsa. Shout out to April and her new hubby on the nuptials. You know what I mean? Um, no, quite a few were like, "Hey, where's Jason?" Uh, obviously, Jason <laughs> was at home with the kids. And uh, I don't behave myself. Oh, shout out to Candace. Um, I don't behave myself. I'm not going to say anything else about Tulsa. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I'm going to say my piece. I'm going to leave it alone, man, because. Uh, um. Do I miss certain people from Tulsa? Absolutely. I do. Um, am I grateful for the the relationships that were established there or started there? Absolutely. Um, am I grateful for the college experience I had? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am. And this is no diss to anyone who is a, a resident of Tulsa, who was born and raised in Tulsa. But let me tell you, this East Coast boy who was born in Philly, raised in Richmond. Let me tell you something. I ain't got to see Tulsa another day in my life. I know that sounds really, <laughs> really mean which I'm not trying to come off as mean. And I'm not saying never say never. 
I may I may come through there because again a, a good chunk of my life was spent in Tulsa I pretty much grew up from a boy to a man in Tulsa and so it has a a, a imprint in my life and um, I, I'm not going to say that I'm never ever 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 gonna go to Tulsa ever again but at the same time I would not put money on that if I were you not me if I were you <laughs> ah uh, I just left Tulsa on a sour note man just to be honest I don't know if I'm gonna go into depth with that into depth that's not in depth in depth why does it have a pth just a lot of words at the very end it's like a collision in depth <laughs> in depth all right we're gonna go with that anyway i'm not going to go in depth with that uh not unless y'all want me to and i don't think y'all want me to we're gonna move this right along this podcast uh what happened a lot has happened in past two weeks and i'm not gonna go over everything definitely not um i do want to send out my condolences to the families of the victims in the virginia beach i guess you can call it massacre i don't like calling it a massacre but it is what it is i mean i believe 12 people died um from the mass shooting in virginia beach and when the news broke you know when tragedy strikes there's this habit of going on social media finding a nice little meme not even a meme just a captioned picture which is technically a meme but caption picture that says pray for insert city uh whenever a tragedy strikes and i'm like fam i don't want to reactively pray like i think that should be a proactive thing that you do daily and not just for one city but the world you know what i mean because tragedy strikes every day and you know, it's just not being televised. And if it's happening in, you know, Nigeria or Ghana or something like that, it should get the same energy as it does in the States. You know what I mean? Tragedy is tragedy. People are getting killed for no reason every single day. Um, for various reasons and so i think i left a caption on social media kind of explaining why i didn't do the um meme or whatever and i just said man just pray pray i i think i felt a little bit more compelled to post something because it was virginia beach and i'm like two hours away um but i didn't not immediately um, not because seeing that's another thing like just because somebody doesn't say anything on social media 
doesn't mean that they are oblivious to what's going on. You know? It's like if something happens in the world or or you know whatever and it's being reported on and you don't see somebody posting on it, you can't sit there and be like, "Oh, you know what? They're being silent." And then start throwing these Martin Luther King silences betrayal quotes all around just tossing them joints around like yeah yeah y'all being quiet you know what i'm saying y'all being scared like fam shut up we're just not on our phones right now <laughs> like we it we we know about it we're we're praying offline and, and and trying to do things offline you know there's a life offline right so y'all need to stop grading people on what they post or what they haven't posted like stop it it's just stupid you know just i think um who had it yg yg is one of uh nipsey hustle's closest friends um in the game and whatever they had an interview with him on the breakfast club and he was saying about how he didn't like the fake support and all that stuff on nipsey from a whole bunch of celebs and everybody because they didn't give him that energy when he was alive and now they're um praising him and stuff after he's gone and trying to capitalize off of the emotions and all this stuff which i felt him on that um i really felt him on that joint um there was a uh this guy his name is um uh rob rob scarborough shout out to rob i grew up with him um he's a preacher he went on social media and was like y'all are like death groupies or something and i was like death groupies that's wild what a wild term but it's i can see that like cats you weren't even really close with when they were living whether they're an artist or an athlete or whatever celeb and they pass away and all of a sudden you're like the biggest fan and you just i don't know man i don't know and i'm not saying that nobody's sincere i think a lot of people are sincere especially with the nipsey hustle joint because it just took us by surprise dude seemed like a very very great guy and for him to go out the way that he did um it was tragic and a lot of the reactions were warranted you know what i mean so yeah that's it and i'm not here to poo poo on how people um mourn or go through things actually yes i am because i know people say you shouldn't be discussing about how certain people more and stuff i'm like ah to a point i get it but at the end of the day man you really gotta step back and say am i doing too much like the game the game the game when he was doing his joint uh i think it's like he posted every single day about nipsey and i get it they're from the same city he you know he was close with him i'm not denying that but some of the posts 
in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, seemed a little extra, just a little bit, you know. And, you know, like his son, it was his son's birthday and talking about his son woke up and said, I don't want to celebrate my birthday. I just want to ride around and honor Nipsey. And everybody was like, word, that's what the 12 year old boy wanted to do on his birthday. Word. Now, I don't know, because now I sound like I'm being messy. But come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Come on, bro. Uh, anywho, um, yeah. So my heart, thoughts, prayers, condolences all go out to the families of Virginia Beach, and not just Virginia Beach, but murderers, murders that's been going on that's not even been documented in the media yet, like prayer for this world man for real for real um what else oh this is wild like earlier today which is sunday um the 9th of june when i give the proper timestamp, this early earlier this morning they mentioned that bushwick bill from the ghetto boys passed away and everybody everybody was throwing up um wow my dog is running in the background so y'all y'all gonna get all of that anyway um yeah bushwick bill they said he passed away earlier this morning and then a couple of hours later the son and then the daughter of bushwick bill was like nah he's still alive but between them saying that and between the announcement being made and the children counter uh, responding to it, everybody was already posting their RIPs. And that's kind of the little messy thing about TMZ. Like TMZ, their sole purpose is to be first. And uh, they don't necessarily care if they're wrong they just want to be first or somewhat right you know what i mean it's messy journalism but it is what it is at the end of the day but he is in he's fighting for his life uh, apparently he's dealing with cancer and from my understanding if he's not dead then he's close to it so Anyway, prayers out to the family of Bushwick Bill. This year, Halloween fell on the weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys could trick or treat and robbing little kids for bags. Oh, man, that was that was a classic song, for real. Now, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yo, because this was going to happen. You know, the in the event that he does pass away and people start quoting that song, you're going to have some dude online talking about all oh, y'all Fairweather fans. You know what I'm saying? Y'all some fake fans. Y'all can't name me another song other than mine playing tricks on me. You know what I'm saying? Y'all some Fairweather fans. Like, shut up. <laughs> Don't stop. He was doing that with Nipsey. 
It's like, oh, you weren't a fan of his when he was alive, so don't try to be a fan now. No, no, no. No, no, no. Shut up. Ridiculous. Uh, anyway, I really didn't expect to get off on that tangent. Um, but here we are. Some days I just want to hop off social media. Man, I do, man. Speaking of social media, good segue. Let me get my segue music going on real quick. You already know what I'm about to do. Play it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's my jam. All right. Anyway. Speaking of social media, um, Dak was about to say, oh, Jay-Z. You're like, how does the two correlate? Uh, let me explain that in a second. Jay-Z, congratulations to Sean Corey Carter of Brooklyn, New York, specifically Marcy Projects. He is now... According to Forbes, a billionaire, the first hip hop billionaire. Let's clap it up for my guy. I don't have a round of applause. I need to get that. There's no round of applause. Is it? I'm still new to my soundboard. Where's the I don't have any applause. Oh, that's tragic. It really is. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> Guess I have to manually clap for him. Hold on. All right. Woo. Yeah, I got to fix that. Uh, anywho. Congrats to young Hove. <laughs> Hove. Boy, church folks was having a fit when he first started calling himself that. Jehovah, that's blasphemous. He needs to get his life straight. We're not going to go into that. But uh, Jay-Z's a billionaire. He beat Dr. Dre to the billion billion mark. And I know a lot of people was like, oh, but Dr. Dre, he got $3 billion from Apple. No, he didn't. His product did. And he partnered with to other people uh, with that product. And after they dished out the money, Uncle Sam was like, yoink. And now Dr. Dre, I think it's at 800 million or something like that. 700, 800 million. I just know Dr. Dre is behind Diddy. Diddy is close to that billion. Diddy's going to get the billion. I thought Diddy was going to get there first, but Jay beat him. <laughs> um, so congrats to him. But the reason I said social media and then moved on to Jay-Z is because I've realized not just Jay-Z, but billionaires in general, um, they're not really on social media. They're not. 
matter of fact, I don't know too many billionaires who consume social media daily and, and, and use social media daily. I mean, there's a few. Of course, you got your Gary V's, um, Diddy. He uses it quite often. 50 Cent. Um, it's a handful of, it's a handful of like rich people that use social media, but it's not a lot. And it makes me sit there and wonder, cause I, I used to be under the pretense of if I'm not on social media, I can't get rich. And it made me analyze that thought. And I'm like, why would I say that? And I think it's tied to the fact that networking and no one's really using social media for networking anymore. They're using it for showboating. They don't even engage with people like somebody will post a selfie or some boastful post and you get all these likes and comments and they don't even comment to the people commenting or visiting the people who are liking their post. There's no engagement there. It's just a lot of everyone come to my post and kiss my feet. No engagement. And that's pretty much what social media has become for the most part. But social media started off as social networking. It was a social network. Remember MySpace, the social network. Facebook, the social network. Then it went from social network to social media. I don't know if y'all noticed that switch or not. It seemed harmless, but that's a huge shift because it takes networking out and it just says media. So people are just posting stuff. But uh, you're supposed to be utilizing social media as a form of networking, meeting new people making new connections and through those connections can come some financial growth who knows but that's neither here or there i say all of that to say that whether you can use social media and get rich yes you can also not use social media and get rich social media is not the answer or the key to you obtaining wealth it's not people people can say oh but i i will miss out on my motivational quotes and motivational pictures and videos like fam you've been watching motivational stuff for the past 10 15 years and where are you no this but where are you so there's more to it than that is what I'm saying. I'm not saying you should ditch all uh, motivational media. But motivational media without action is just feel good messages. Oh, I just want to feel good. Yeah, in my mind, I'm doing what you're saying. No, you're not. It's like when people go to church, they hear a sermon and they don't take action to the sermon and they're right back in the same place that they are. 2016 is my year. Wait, 2017 is my year. Wait, 
2018 is my year. Listen, 2020 is on the horizon. Don't worry about it being your year. Won't you worry about taking it a day at a time? Won't you wake up and say, today is my day, huh? And then analyze at the end of the day if that day was, in fact, your day. You don't have to take the year in, in, in that large of an increment. Just break down stuff sometimes and, and work with small baby steps, huh? Baby steps. Let's start with the baby steps. Before y'all hop everywhere and say, oh, this is my year. I feel it. I have yet. To hear somebody say, this is my year, and then on December 31st say, yep, I told you so. I told you this was my year. Never heard it. I've never heard it. I've never heard anyone on December 31st say, this was the best year of my life. And I, and I said it on January 1st, and here it is, New Year's Eve, and I'm here to tell you that this year was indeed my year. When last time y'all heard that? I'm not even going to wait. I'm moving on to the next subject. How about that? <laughs> Golly, man. That's stupid. Use your common sense. <laughs> ah, we don't have to keep doing this to ourselves, guys. We really don't. Um, my main topic. My main topic. And I alluded to it last episode. I did. I sure did. Let me hit the transition music real quick. All right. Hold on. Uh. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. working on a mixtape that's so not what i was going to talk about but i i felt like i needed to say that so it can be documented but i'm working on a mixtape i know i said i retired but i couldn't go out like i did like the last mixtape i did was um called fathers and it was pretty much a, a, a i dedicated it to my dad who passed away last year and I realized man I don't want to end on that note technically I should be ending uh on a okay I started rapping in the year 2000 so if I wanted to technically retire retire I have until next year to do so I'm not trying to drop a, any music next year. Sorry. Maybe I'll drop a greatest hits type of joint, but 20 years worth of music it is what it is. So um, this year I'm working on, I'm not even going to say my last mixtape my planned last mixtape okay let's, let's let's use that term planned i plan to stop on this one 
And I know half of y'all are not believing me, but it's whatever. But this joint I'm working on now, oh my goodness gracious. Oh, oh my goodness. Like, oh, I just want to play one beat for y'all. Cause y'all, 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 y'all listening, y'all sounding crazy. Um, I'm gonna play one beat. Then we're gonna move on. What is this? What is this? What is this? Ooh, should I play that one? Nah, I'm not gonna play that one. Oh my gosh, if I play that one, that'd be crazy. Um, ooh, should I play this one? Nah, if I save that one, I'm gonna play this one. I'm gonna play this one here. Shout out to Batman. Uh, he's a producer I found, and we linked up, and I said, hey, I need that beat and possibly some others. So he's been grinding, man. Um, he's been posting posting some, some beats. He's really putting in the work, man. So shout out to him, Batman. Batman. Um, but yeah. Really don't know why I went on that tangent there. I just really, maybe for accountability sake, because if y'all don't see this mixtape by the end of this year, which I plan to drop it way earlier than the end of this year. But if y'all don't see anything, y'all can hit me up, be like, yo, what's up, fam? What's up on this mixtape? So, anywho, that's that. But, uh, darn it. Now I need another. Another transition. Hit me with it. Uh. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. Um. The main thing I want to get into. Where are we? 35 minutes in. Okay. So I came across this article. And when I saw this article, shout out to Cash, Cash Hollister to be exact, out there in Salina, Kansas. Um, he post he posted this article on on his uh, Facebook, and the title alone got me interested. And the title of it is "Why Do Employers Lowball Creatives?" A new study have answers. I was like, ooh. Oh, this is about to minister to me because, um, again, if you're new, thank you for listening. Um, I am a graphic designer by trade. I have my degree in graphic design and I've been in the industry for over 16 years. 
And when I tell you I have seen it all, experienced most, this is a very interesting industry. Very interesting. So many variations I can talk about today, but this particular thing here, I want to zero in on and talk about. Um, let's read the article. I'm going to read the article. I thought there was a video that accompanied the article, but no. And it's, this is not just on graphic design. This is creative. So we're talking musicians, artists, dancers, the whole nine. Um, boy, but they got a portion here. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let me read it. Read, let me read it. Read, let me read it. <clears throat> Larissa Archer has been asked to perform for free so many times she's lost count. Let me pause here. That seems to be a very, very, very popular and nasty thing. In the creative arena, the creative industry, whether you're a dancer, an artist, a musician, what have you, there's always somebody who's not creative, who's trying to facilitate, facilitate and run something saying, hey, can you do it for free, my brother? Hey, let me give you a love offering. Yeah, all that, right? I'm going to keep reading because Lord have mercy. Despite her years of training, impressive resume and credibility as the founder of San Francisco belly dance theater. She's often she often finds herself turning down invitations to dance for a few wrinkled dollar bills. Yeah, girl, you were so awesome. Oh, my goodness. I love the way you dance. Can you come to my place and dance? Uh, we got this event coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, we don't have it in the budget, but if you this this is great exposure for you, <laughs> right? Great exposure. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just read because they're they're talking about exposure. That that keyword triggers me. Anyway, as Archer explains it, event producers can't cut corners on how much beer costs they can't cut corners on the rental of the venue but many can and often do skimp on the take-home pay of the talent that attracts the showgoers in the first place pause that is so true especially with um musicians and artists who go to these clubs or, or party places. These event coordinators are renting out the place. They're not trying to hustle the um, the owner of the building. They're not trying to hustle the, the um, people who sell the alcohol. They're not trying to hustle anybody else. But the main attraction, the people that's going to draw the people in, they skimp on them religiously doesn't make sense but it happens all the time let me keep reading though all right and it's not just small clubs as kqed first reported in march 
despite reaching a valuation of a trillion dollars last year, the tech giant Apple does not pay the artists performing in its stores. Let me say that again, because I think y'all didn't hear me. The tech giant Apple, Apple, worth a billion, worth a trillion dollars, excuse me, a trillion dollar company, Apple, does not pay the artists performing in its stores. I had to pause. I'm still here. I had to pause so y'all can really digest what I just read. Okay. Compensating them with low-end merchandise such as AirPods and Apple TVs instead. So instead of actually paying these artists, they're giving them AirPods and Apple TVs. Like, I can't go to the electric company or the mortgage people and say, I ain't got the mortgage this month, but I got some AirPods. I got Apple TVs. Will that suffice as a payment towards my lights? No. But that's what happens. This is a trillion dollar company. If a trillion dollar company is doing this, my goodness gracious. Anyway. Wow. Breaking news. Sorry. It's breaking news. I'm reading that David Ortiz was shot and wounded in the Dominican Republic from the Red Sox. Wow. I hope he's okay. That's crazy. Hold on real quick. Um, wow, that threw me for a loop. <sighs> Prayers out to him. I hope um, he's not injured or worse. Wow, David Ortiz. Um, anyway, back to this. Uh, bu -bu 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 -bu. Following our report, we heard from graphic designers, musicians, muralists, and comedians who say they frequently asked for work for exposures. Oh, let me read it again. They frequently asked to, to work for exposure, quote unquote, by companies large and small, sharing tales of missing payments, false promises of paid work and full-time jobs disguised as unpaid internships. This is all nasty, by the way. Nasty, nasty, nasty. That whole work for exposure crap, that's nasty. The false promises of paid work, like, oh, yeah, you know, if you work on this project, I'll pay you. And then uh, you don't know when you're going to get paid. And like, if you don't get paid up front for work, Good luck. You are about to be in a world of jogging for money because 
they're going to be slow or not pay you at all. Uh, Full time jobs disguised as unpaid internships like I've, I, I think I did one internship. Maybe two. And they had me working on the large. Tedious projects. For free. I never really understood. I mean. Yeah. That's weird. I guess you got to get your feet wet, but I found something kind of nasty about um, internships, especially the unpaid joints where they have you working like a dog, but they know that you're, you're coming in unpaid and you're trying to get something, some experience under your belt. Man, it's nasty. Nasty. Um, in the arts, working for low to no pay has long been an industry standard for all but the upper echelon. But as workers in other professions prone to exploitation organize for a living wage, including teachers and rideshare drivers, creatives are questioning why event producers, venue owners, and companies find it acceptable to pay low below the minimum wage for their work or subject them to subpar working conditions. New research from Duke University has some answers. Oh my gosh. Uh, Passionate workers are more likely to be taken advantage of. Recent Duke PhD graduate Jay Young Kim Professor Aaron K, University of Oregon professor Troy Campbell and Oklahoma State University professor Stephen Shepard studied the ways that workers passion, workers passion is increasingly being used as a justification for their exploitation in today's labor market. On one hand, passion for one's work can lead to greater satisfaction. But the researchers new paper in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, understanding contemporary forms of exploitation, attributions of passion serve to legitimize the poor treatment of workers, lays bare the unique ways passionate workers can be taken advantage of in a culture that encourages us to find our life's calling at work. I'll keep reading here, then I'm gonna take a break. Through eight different studies with over 2,400 participants, researchers discover that people find it more acceptable for managers to ask passionate workers to work extra hours without additional pay, sacrifice sleep and family time, and take on demeaning tasks outside of their job descriptions. Let me take a pause right there. There came a time, like, not only do I work in my field as a nine to five, but I also have been running my freelance business, which on numerous occasions I've wanted to quit. I realized I can't fully quit Um, I'm planning, uh, I'm not going to go into the plans, but I'm not quitting. 
but I've I've been met with that thought a lot of times because I find myself up well found because I made a change. I was underselling myself because there are so many people in my field who's been taking low wages that if I up my prices, they're just going to skip over me and go to somebody who's cheaper. Cutting corners. Why pay this guy this much money when I can get it from my cousin and them or or the, the young fella, you know, for X amount of dollars less. So I found myself extremely lowering my prices, which was dumb. But I've lowered I lowered my prices and I took on work and I didn't set hours for myself. I didn't collect money up front. So I would do all this work and then all of a sudden they will disappear. Um, I didn't have any system set in play or like I said, work hours. So it can be 12, one o'clock in the morning. People are emailing me saying, Hey, I need this. And it's, it's not one of those. I need this. Um, in a couple of weeks, it's like, yo, I need this yesterday. And it, it really used to piss me off because I'm like, you can plan for an event months in advance, but you hit me up a day before you need to do the event to talk about, can you do some artwork? Fam. Nah. And I remember my mom, my mom, she's full of wisdom, but I was working. No, I, I was, we was talking and she can tell I was tired. She's like, son, why are you tired? And I was like, well, I was up all night uh, doing some graphic design work. And, uh, you know, it's just sometimes I go to bed at two, three in the morning. She was like, what time are you answering your emails? I'm like, whenever I get them. So she's like, so you're basically on call. I was like, yeah, I mean, in a sense, because, you know, graphic design, da, 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 da. She's like, are you making doctor's money? And I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. She's like, doctors who are on call get compensated lots of money. If you ain't making doctor's money, then you don't need to be on call for nobody. Because you got a family. You got a wife and kids. And I was like, dang, she right. And from that day forward, man, after talking to my wife and everything, where she was like, yeah, it would be nice if you go to bed at the same time that I do. I'm like, dang. And my kids, I see them not enough. I was like, you know what? I need to make some changes. So that's what I did. But creatives, man, listen. You got to value yourself before anybody else does, because if you don't value yourself first, they're going to mistreat you. Just like this article is talking about. I got a whole lot more to read. Let me um, let me keep going. 
But uh, anywho, the participants in the studies in the studies varied from randomly selected individuals, Duke students and managers of various fields. Not surprisingly, they found requests like the above more appropriate in professions associated with passions such as arts, animal trainers, social workers, or ecologists. Furthermore, when reading about a great graduate student subject to verbal abuse and unreasonable deadlines, participants rated him as more passionate than someone who didn't experience mistreatment. Oh, I got a story about that. I don't want to, I'm going to keep reading though. When people read about the exact same job, but learned that the person learned that the person enjoyed their work, they think it's more fair or less agil, uh, less illegitimate. Sorry. Ooh, I had a brain for it to have them do things that would objectively be considered approaching exploitation says K meaning having them do things they're not paid for or the company getting more benefit without giving people more the profits. Now I could stop right here and say, this is not just with creatives. This is with a lot of positions in the work world where people who have been there 10, 15, 20 years on the job doing well beyond their job description and not getting compensated for it. And they're just miserable, but they feel stuck. That happens too. But uh, anyway, passion or expected passion out of that work can be seen as compensating for poor treatment. Kim says, adding that in this, in his native South Korea, young professionals uh, refer to low paying gigs as passion wages, passion wages. That's crazy. K explains that there's a common misconception that if someone loves their job, they would prefer to work instead of doing other activities that contribute to a fulfilling life, which he says can be a slippery slope. <clears throat> I love this example because it hits right at home. Here we go. A graphic designer who works for a cool website and gets to make cool art may love their job, but they may not want to miss hanging out at their kids softball game over the weekend. He says, forcing them to do more of it assumes it's joy. It's more joy for them. When you got to realize that like everyone else, they're trying to balance their lives, man. Oh man, that hit right at home. Because even though I got a degree in graphic design and I've been in the industry for over 16 years, I also have a wife and four kids. And so. I'm I've changed a whole lot of how I operate, even um, like I said, in the first 20 episodes of this podcast, my journey from being unemployed to finally finding my job that I'm working at now. I didn't mind. Like I finally got to a point cause I've been through three stints of almost a year of unemployment. But this last stint that I went through, 
I reached a point where I did not care about um okay, not I did not care. I cared. I valued myself way more. I didn't care about the benefits and how fun this was going to be with the job and everything like that, yada, yada. I was like, y'all need to pay me what I'm worth. Pay me what I'm worth. And I know what I was going to say was I didn't care that I got turned down by 152 jobs. Some of them was like, hey, he has a great. No, 80 percent of that 152 was like, wow, you have a very great resume and a very, very great portfolio. And somehow they didn't hire me. And I'm willing to bet that it was because of my salary requirement. I'm so certain of it. Because I wasn't budging. And the longer you keep getting rejected and a longer time goes on, you feel that itch to be like, ah, well, let me lower my salary range a little bit so maybe somebody can hire me. Nah, nope, uh-uh. not at all. So I stuck with it and I was like, it's going to be a long, long fight. But it paid off. It paid off, you know, Um. I'm going to keep reading. All right. Yeah, I'm going to keep reading and we're going to uh we're going to go from there. <sighs> Another uh sub segment of this article says in the arts passion expo- passion exploitation is the norm. Artists know passion exploitation well because they take pleasure in performing, taking photos or writing onlookers see the opportunity to do this work as a privilege in its own right and use that reasoning to justify a lack of compensation or benefits samantha hines an online student at an online student at the san francisco academy of arts says that she took an unpaid internship at a boutique pr company and found herself doing work typically reserved for a paid in-house graphic designer. Oh, would you look at that. (laughs) With none of the supervision or educational aspects legally required of an unpaid internship. Her boss required her to work more than double her agreed upon hours, persuading her with the promise of paid work after six months that paid work never came fam this is oh my gosh Hines said that in her industry passion is often used as a cold word for explorative conditions exportative conditions right yeah anyway Almost every single internship that I've looked at says, if money is the only reason you want this job, walk away. We're looking for people who are passionate. Let me tell y'all something about that. Oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, 
during my, like I said, 152 jobs turned me down. Um, and when I say turn me down, I didn't, they, they weren't all no's. They were either no responses or, uh, well, we're not going to fill this role at the time or what have you. It's not just 152 no's per se. But in the midst of me looking for a job, I can't tell you how many times I saw that specific sentence. If money is the only reason you want this job, walk away. We're looking for people who are passionate. That is their favorite phrasing to use in their applications. Like, that's nuts. That's insane. If you're allowed to be passionate, you're allowed to be passionate and want a fair wage. Like, you can't sit here and say, hey, we're looking for someone to to work for us. But don't, hey, if you're talking about money, then you need to get out of here because we want to exploit you. I mean, we, we want you to have a passionate job. That's that's nasty. That really is nasty. Um, Man. It is common in graphic design, but I'm sure in other fields that are creative as well. Oh, nasty. Oklahoma jazz bassist Caroline Chung, a longtime advocate for fair wages for musicians, says that musicians passion. Passion often works against them. She says a typical jazz club gigs pay about. Gig pays about. $20 20 to $40 per person in an ensemble, which factors out to less than minimum wage when accounting for rehearsal time, not to mention travel. There are definitely places I've played where they almost use their ability to book you or not book you as a power trip. They're basically kissing tail to try to get a gig. And I think that dynamic creates a power shift where they can feel they can take advantage. So they feel like they can take advantage because you're basically, you know, they know that you're trying to get a gig and you're trying to get some exposure. And so they're like, ah, I can play this against them. It's nasty. This whole thing is nasty. Chung attempted to organize a jazz musician's boycott for fair wages in 2011 and found that even if more experienced performers hold out on gigs, there's always a new crop of up and coming artists eager to take low paying gigs to get their name out there. She proposes that local legislations that reward businesses for paying artists fairly may be a more effective way to make change. I like that idea, but let me take let me take a break because that's the other problem. That's the other problem. This article is so great. That's another problem. Even if. Let's I'm going to just keep using graphic designers as an example, because that's what I am. Even if I told the graphic design community, hey, we need to start valuing ourselves, raising our prices and demanding higher wages. Even if I told all of them that 
these new kids coming out of college who that's who they go to first anyway when they're trying to hire somebody so many entry-level jobs or they will definitely take the younger person who's fresh out of college which is weird because they're also looking for somebody with experience but i think they will they say experience but it's like hey if we can get you for cheap and you're good you're on our team but you got so many people who are like eh, i'd rather take this low paying job because it's i'd rather take you know low is better than no <laughs> and that's nasty so there's always going to be some designer or some artist or musician out there who's going to keep taking these low paying gigs, man, because they figure, hey, but it sucks for them because they're always going to get low paying gigs. And I don't know if they have this fairy tale in their mind where it's like, oh, maybe one day somebody will recognize me for my true value and give me what i suppose nah it's very 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 rare that that will happen and even if it does happen you're going to get this large wage of money and you're not going to feel deserving of it you're going to be like oh i don't deserve all this money oh maybe i should go back to what i'm used to it's nasty but anyway she said the city should take tax breaks to businesses that support the artists in some way, whether it's art shows or music. She says they have to have some sort of incentive They do songwriter uh, met Mechlet Hardario. I think that's her name. Hardario says that spending time educating event producers and companies about what her performance fees entails has helped her negotiate better wages. People think they're paying for the hour that you're on stage, she says, but you're paying for the fact that in order to get to the stage, I have to spend hours composing, hours arranging, the logistical time it takes to be a band leader, the phone calls to arrange rehearsals, all the time it takes to deal with the PR. That's a lot, man. And that's how, again, when I was on my job hunt, I went in with, you're not just paying for my skill. You have to realize the reason I got this skill is because I've been in the industry for over 16 years. I spent countless hours on my craft. I spent money that i didn't have on programs that cost a lot of money money on a computer to house these programs so i can use the programs properly to create the stuff that i create not to mention in the midst of all of that i'm having to learn clients, learn their mission, learn their vision, what they want and everything like that. Spend time on that and make sure that everything flows properly because I'm not a printing company. 
I need to make sure that the files that I give you is set up for proper printing, the whole nine. And that's just print graphic design. We ain't even talking about web websites. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I had a client um, who's no longer my client because they couldn't see what I was telling them, which was super blatant. I think I, what I was trying to do was set them up on a monthly retainer. And I was like, listen, for $250 a month, you're getting a whole lot. And it was like, why should I give you $250 a month? That's ridiculous. That's too much money. I'm like, oh, it is. Okay. Now you have a company. You're running a company, right? You don't have a graphic designer on staff. Minimum wage is like $14.40 a month. Minimum wage. People at McDonald's make more than $14.40 a month. Or right at that. So $250 is well below minimum wage for you to have a quote-unquote full-time graphic designer at your disposal. So I don't understand the pushback. But anyway, those are the battles I go through, man. Um, let me keep reading. With so much competition in live music with profits from album sales and decline, indie artists, I mean, indie acts and global superstars alike are constantly on tour. She, she suggests that a beneficiary, uh, wow, that's not the word, a beneficial strategy for artists could entail moving out of the free market and into the world of grants from foundations that support the arts. That has to do with two things. One, being aware of the social context of my work and two, understanding why it's important outside of just me being able to articulate it. If you're a freelancer, no matter what you're doing creatively, you have to know what you're doing. And I say that because once you know what you're doing, you can explain it to the person that you're giving your services to. Because if you can't explain fully what you're doing, they're really going to take advantage of you. You know what I mean? Because especially in the corporate world, they're like, ah, he's an artist. He's a graphic designer. They equate that to, oh, he probably uses Microsoft Word or Microsoft Paint, which doesn't exist anymore. Oh, I, I, he just got to do this, that, and the third and, and color that in. Like I had to tell my boss when I first got my job, I was like, listen, I work in Adobe Creative Cloud. These programs change and update almost three to six months at a time. So you're not necessarily dealing with the same controls, the same methods or anything like that. You, you, you're basically having to relearn the program every three to six months. And so another thing, and I'll say this. Uh, yeah, let me say this. And I think this is the last section. and I'm almost done with this article. But one other thing I say, too, is like, for example, I had a client who was like, wow, you're fast. And they said it in a way of, wow, I don't know why I paid you this much if you can get it done this fast. Or sometimes they say, oh, well, I can give you more. Slow your roll. You're going to get charged 
this amount regardless. The fact that I finished it fast isn't because it was easy per se. It may have been easy to me, but the reason is easy to me is because I've trained myself and perfected my craft to the point that I can do it faster. I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumbs because I did it fast. It's because I have knowledge and experience in the thing that I'm doing. You're paying for my expertise. So don't mistake it being fast as being easy. It's fast because I'm skillful at what I do. Those are the things you have to realize and have to approach and talk to the person or whoever is trying to get your services. You got to let them know the specifics. Um, yeah. But anyway, overworked and underpaid. Lord have mercy. That is the title <laughs> of my my entire career. It is. Overworked, underpaid. If you're an artist, you definitely know what this means. Kim K. Campbell and Shepard's passion research gives insight to a new kind of exploitation in an era where Americans increasingly view work as their life's purpose, or at least are expected to. A Craigslist search for the word passion, for instance, yields over 2,600 job listings in the Bay Area alone for gigs not typically considered life callings, including line cook, caretaker in a nursing home, and hardware store associate. This idea that people might be getting exploited was super intuitive for a long time to artists. But as there's been a crucial emphasis on finding your calling at work or blending the lines of what you enjoy and what you do for work. It's becoming clear that it's happening in a wide range of professions, a lot of professions. And again, even though this is a creative article, this goes beyond the creatives. So, yeah. Um, and let me tell you right now. I'm going to really set the record straight. Graphic design is not my passion. It's what I do for work. I'm good at it. Really good at it. But it's not my passion. It is not my life's calling. Okay. Just want to set the record straight. I love helping people. I really do. I, I love the process of creating. I really do. Graphic design, me standing, be, sitting behind a laptop for hours doing artwork. It's not my life's calling. Want to set that record straight. One more again. Okay. All right. Meanwhile, legal protections for workers are on the decline. Since the 1970s, American companies have moved away from hiring employees 
replacing them with contract workers who are legally considered self-employed and aren't entitled to the same rights as staff. According to a 2018 NPR poll, contract workers and freelancers could make up half of the U.S. labor pool in the next 10 years. I truly believe that because a lot of those job applications was talking about contract, talking about part-time, and I know what they were doing, paying you the bare minimum and not having to give you benefits. Nasty, 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 nasty. That's how the job force is, man. It's very nasty. Um, labor expert Vina du- Dubal, who's a law student or a law professor at UC Hastings, says that this increased expectation of one's work to be one's passion is becoming the cultural justification for an economic trend to undercut workers protection, worker protections. The idea of passion underlines the be your own boss rhetoric of gig companies like Uber and, and Lyft, who often depict the work as a side hustle for passion, passionate people pursuing bigger dreams and therefore not really a job. I'm so glad they said that. There's nothing wrong with Uber, Lyft, or any of the um, quote-unquote pyramid schemes <laughs> that you get hit with on social media um, in general, if you know what you're getting yourself into. But a lot of people don't know what they're getting themselves into. So they're looking at this as, oh, man, if I join this company and get five people under me and, and build my left and right leg up and everything like that, then I can really be rich and go to these seminars and, and conferences and they'll give me recognition and, and a, a, a pink car and, and, and a trip you know, on vacation and everything like that. And they're playing y'all like a fiddle, man, because they're pretty much saying, you know what? We don't want employees. We want contracts just like the WWE. Um, all of the wrestlers that you see from John Cena to all, all of them, they're on contracts, they're contract, they're independent workers. So they don't have to have health benefits. And that's why you see people like Jake, the snake Roberts, uh, you know, from the old school wrestlers getting on social media, trying to raise GoFundMe funds to pay for their medical bills after they spent decades jumping off of things and, and landing and, and putting their body and lives at risk. It's nasty, man. The way that these companies are cutting corners. It's nasty. It really is. Um, all right. From my research, I've shown that people in these positions are controlled in the exact same way as people who are considered traditional employees. Nothing changes in their lives except they don't get unemployment insurance or they don't get workers' compensation. They don't get the minimum wage. How do artists and other workers get out of this predicament? Duval says the first step might be changing the cultural narrative. A recognition that we're getting swindled is a huge first step 
and pushing back in this phenomenon. And a bigger second step is for people who have the privilege of having higher paid jobs to work less to create a culture in which working all the time is unacceptable. And for workers on the low end of the socioeconomic spectrum to organize, to form unions, gosh, creatives need a union. Oh my gosh, they need a union so bad to form worker associations in which collective norms like working less for higher pay uh, becomes the goal, the aim, and the normal state of affairs. Can you do, just saying that phrase working less for higher pay sounds nuts to some of us to most of us that sounds nuts but it's happening all the time there are people getting paid bukus of money and they are working way less than you are it's nuts man here we go all in all the fight for fair wages is an uphill battle, not only for artists, but for all workers currently bearing the brunt of wages, stag wage stagnation and rising cost of housing and education. It's not saying passion is not good for the worker, but it isn't a reason to pay someone less. And that's the article. That's the article in its entirety. <sighs> Man. I want to tell a story about a particular job that I worked at and I'm not going to give the name, even though this company's out of business and maybe a handful of people may know exactly what I'm talking about. Hopefully, but I'm, I'm still not going to say names, but I'm going to talk about, um, some of my experiences and not just on this episode, but in future episodes, I'm just going to give you experiences of what I've been through um, in this creative industry. I found a job. This is when I was okay. I can't even tell you where I was living. I was job hunting. And this particular unemployment stint only lasted what, maybe a month. This is the shortest stint of unemployment I had ever. Um, so I found this job and in the, the article, it said looking for a graphic designer. Graphic artist. That's what it said. And it was for this company that. Well, I, Okay. I'm still not going to say the name of the company, but I'm going to say what it does. And I think a lot of people are going to that know me going to be like, oh, I know what you're talking about. It was for a alternative news weekly. Um, an alternative news weekly is pretty much like in your city. You may have um, just look up alternative news weeklies um, and you may have one in your city, but they're pretty much like local newspapers magazine and kind of in a magazine style 
it's more loose and liberal with their journalism and things like that. But anyway, um, it's an alternative to the newspaper in your city. That's what Alternative News Weekly is about. So anyway, I saw the article, right? I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go ahead and give them my resume and portfolio. I get there. I, I mean, I did my deed, filled out the application, and I get a call saying, hey, I'd like you to come in. So I come in, right? I come into this job, and I'm sitting. It's like a roundtable discussion with the owners and editor and um, the creative director and and so on and so forth, right? And so they're asking me questions and I'm giving them the answers like I would because I've been in the industry long enough to not be nervous when they're asking me questions about the job I'm applying for. So it was like, okay, blah, blah, blah. They looked at my resume. They were like, oh, wow, this is impressive stuff. Um, looked at my portfolio, said the same thing. And so after that, they said, okay, I want to give you a test or a few things to work on to see how well you work with the programs and stuff like that. Um, that's becoming uh, more and more of a standard thing with creatives, especially like designers, um, graphic designers, web designers, stuff like that. They kind of give you like on the spot tests with the programs. That's fine. So, they gave me a few tasks to do and I I knocked it out the park and it came natural to me because again, I have already been working in the field for a while. Um, and so after I was done, it's like, okay, great. I showed up, I was dressed nice and the whole nine. I, I know proper interview etiquette and all that stuff and how to dress and how to talk and all of that. So it's like, okay, great, 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 great. Um, we're going to contact you back, right? So I think a week or two pass. And I'm literally, because I'm still unemployed at this point. I'm standing in the food stamp line. Very humbling experience for me because here I am, this college student. Well, no, college grad. Standing in the line for food stamps. Um, which I don't look down on food stamps, man. If you need them and you qualify for them, get them. Please get them. Don't exploit them. But get them. Um, and it took it took experiences like that for me to get over myself. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let me go downtown. Get these food stamps since I qualify. So while I'm, I'm never forget it. I'm standing in a line. Um, cause it was a long line ready to give them my papers so I can, uh, have this interview to get my food stamps. I get a phone call and it's from this company that I had the interview for. And it was like, Hey, um, we, we went through our candidates and, um, out of the 20 plus candidates, you and someone else are the finalists and we want to bring you in for a second interview. So I'm like, oh, this is great. 
All right, yada, yada, yada. So, <clears throat> before I hung up the phone, they asked me, so what is your salary range, right? I messed up. This is where I messed up. I said, and I'm going to tell you my salary range that I told them at the time. I said, oh, my salary range is between 35000 and 45000 a year, right? Stupid. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I said thirty-five to fifty. Now I said fifty because the previous job I was working at gave me fifty. But I said thirty-five to fifty, and I don't know why I gave that huge range. But I heard him say, "Oh, okay." And then um, I think maybe a day or two later, had the second interview. And I, it was just me and the owner of the uh, of the company. And we was talking. And he was like, you know, it was really between you and the other person. I personally like you the best. And we want to bring you on. And I was like, great. And so um, he's like, yeah, I think I made my decision. I want to offer you the job um, and everything. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. When do I start? And he's like, oh, well, you can start Monday. You can come on in Monday. And the guy that you're going to be replacing, um, he's going to kind of shadow you and stuff for a week. And then he's going to transition on. No, he's going to shadow you for two weeks and then he's going to transition on. So I'm like, OK, cool. So I get there Monday and I'm signing the employee papers and I, my stupid self, I didn't really get a full understanding on how much I'll get paid. So he's like, all right, this is the. This is what we're going to start you off on. $35,000. He went the, the low end of my range. He was like $35,000. I was like, oh, okay. All right, cool. He's like, now, if you do well in 30 days or so, we'll give you another increase then. We'll discuss it. I mean, not 30 days, three months. In three months, if you're doing well, we'll discuss a raise then. And then... Three months after that, we'll discuss another raise. That's very important to the story. All right. So. I took the amount. On the basis of, oh, OK, in three months, we get to negotiate. A higher, you know, what my raise is going to be. All I got to do is do my part. Right. So. I agreed like an idiot. I agreed, And. I start shadowing the guy that I'm replacing. And midway through the week, it was going to reverse where I will start doing stuff and he will shadow me. <laughs> Here's the thing about that. So the dude is the dude that I'm shadowing. Um, I'm looking on his desk. I'm looking at his business card. And I'm like. Huh. That's interesting. He's the creative director. So if the creative director's going, who's going to be the creative director? So I went to one of the other executives there and I was like, I noticed that this person is the creative director and he's leaving. 
So who's going to be the creative director? And it was like, you are silly. And I was like, oh, me? It's like, yeah, you're you're here to replace him. And I was like, oh, okay. That was a red, that was a big red flag right there. Because a creative director of any company in America should not be making $35,000 a year. Okay. But we're going to keep it moving. So my stupid self was like, oh, this is great. At least, you know, I know I make 35 a year, but this is going to be on my resume as a creative director. Yeah. Woo. Right. And so uh, I'm shadowing dude for the first two days. Day three, my guy is nowhere to be found. And I don't see him anymore. He just dipped. He's gone. And so now I'm learning this job on my own. Making $35,000 a year as the creative director. And the expectations and the demands and some days you're going to have to spend 12 hours here to get the job done mixed with the boss who was kind of like Chef Ramsey um in a on crack or something he was just a really really mean stressful guy right he no one in the entire building liked working for him but everyone in the building loved working for the company so everyone was catching the l working for the company because they loved the company but they did not like the owner of the company and the way he would verbally abuse the employees. I'm not even going to go into specifics because it's just y'all wouldn't believe it. But it was just so bad. It was so bad and so stressful at that job. That I think I, I got an ulcer one time. That's how stressful it was. So anyway. I don't know if they expected me to fail, but I kept succeeding. Three months into the job, they gave me a raise. I didn't get to negotiate. He just gave me the raise. And I was like, all right. But I went from 35 a year to 38, five. <laughs> so I'm still not at, I'm nowhere near where I need to be as a creative director. But then I noticed it went from creative director to creative no, I was still creative director slash um, production manager. It was weird. It was stupid. Um, so I'm still knocking it out the park. Um, the whole nine. We get to the six month mark. And he calls me in to the office. And I he knew and I both I knew we, we both knew that, hey, it's time to pay me some more money because what you're paying me is ridiculous. And it's the six month mark. And we didn't get to negotiate last time, but we finna negotiate now. So he jumped ahead of all of that and called me into the office. And he was like, uh, this is the hardest thing I ever had to do, but and cause you've been such a great employee, but we're going to have to let you go. And I was like, 
Can you give me a reason why? Literally, this is what he said. Uh, you just kept repeating the same mistakes over and over. And I was like, what mistake was that? He couldn't tell me the mistake. He never told me the mistake. He was like, yeah, it's just, we're just going to have to do it. We're going to have to let you go. And I was just like, wow. Wow. The problem was he couldn't afford me. But he made it seem like, you know what? You kept repeating the same mistakes. That's the reason I'm going with. You got to go. Because I'm not going to have you come up to me every three months asking for more money. So he let me go. Crazy, right? Eight months later, that company goes out of business. But uh, that was a long story. But I wanted to give y'all an example of some of the things I went through as a creative. There were times where I would do work for somebody and even have a written out contract on what was supposed to be done and they renege at the last minute and i remember one time i was like all right since you're not gonna pay me what was quoted and what you signed off on go ahead and pay me what you think my time was worth that's literally what i told them pay me what you think my time was worth i lie to you not the following week, they had the audacity to hand me, like I did a flyer and a poster. Very well done. And I gave them the sample of it with my watermark all on it and everything like that. When they realized that this flyer was good, but they couldn't afford to pay me what was on that contract. This is what they did. They wrote me a check, wrote me a check for $20. And then proceeded to find someone else who did it for free. And all they did was copy my flyer nuts isn't it that's the type of stuff I've gone through I don't know maybe I started off in graphic design loving graphic design and seeing a bright and beautiful future in graphic design but over the years, the love of graphic design has been sucked out of me. And now it's strictly nothing but work. And the only solace I find in graphic design is not even the end result of what I make. Because that's so automatic to me now that I don't even think about it. I try my best to just fall in love with the process of creating and the act of helping people. That, that is what keeps me going, helping people and enjoying the creative 
journey. So when I tell my clients, listen, critique the mess out of whatever I'm giving you. Because at the end of the day, I want to deliver what you want. This ain't got nothing to do with me. So if you say this is whack, that's fine. Let me know it's whack. You're not hurting my feelings because I'm not falling in love with my end result. And I thank God I've just I've been successful all these years um, in that. I recently had to um, stop doing websites. Um, I stopped doing websites because it was very stressful. I didn't go to school to learn web graphic design. It was print graphic design. I just so happened to teach myself web graphic design and web programming and all that stuff. I taught myself that I'm pretty good at it, but it stresses me out to no end and it contributes to my depression. So I took it out of my arsenal and I recently had a request to do a website for a very prominent artist in the industry, like a Grammy award winning artist. And I turned it down. That's how I knew. That's when I really knew that. Man, like when I turned it down, I didn't feel bad at all. I felt great. I felt liberated. Because that's how much it was stressing me out. And so at the end of the day, know your worth. And don't budge. Even if you have to turn down things that don't make logical sense to everyone. If it makes sense to you, you keep at it. You keep at it. You keep you keep at it because at the end of the day, it's going to pay off, man. It really is. It really is. But anywho, um, this this is probably one of the longest podcasts I've ever done. But one of the most important ones I've done. I really wanted to talk about that. And I was holding off for about an episode or two. And I kept telling y'all it was coming. So. Whoop, there it is. You know what I mean? Anywho, let's get some air horns up in here. All right. Well, that is the end of episode 41. I will holler at y'all this week. I hope y'all have a great week. Again, if it's your first time listening to it, thank y'all for listening. If you made it this far, <laughs> um, feel free to check out on my other podcasts. I even got music on there because I mentioned in the podcast that I'm working on another mixtape. I think this will be mixtape number eight. Uh, so check that out. Um, you can see that on my website, walkwithjason.com. Um, and more stuff, man. Follow me on social media. Um, the whole nine. All right. Until next week. Keep, I, I don't even know how to end this. <laughs> I was going to say, keep it real. That sounds stupid. Um, until next week, man, y'all, y'all stay easy. Stay blessed. Much success to you. Even if you wish me the opposite sooner or later, you all see who the prophet is. Nas. I'm sorry. 
I was I was I was in my zone. Anywho, y'all have a great week. We out of here. Peace. Jason. A man called Jason. A man called Jason.